Welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. We interview people who have dealt with the trickiest of health challenges, but eventually learn to get well and stay well naturally. Now it's time to hear from one of our detectives and learn how another health issue has been solved. We hope you enjoy the show. What is going on, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. My name is Evan Transu, a.k.a. Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. Got a fun and short one for you, and by the way, I just want to shout out Dr. Courtney Hunt. Her episode absolutely exploded. It is episode 90 on the Health Detective Podcast, the last one that was just published. Please go check that out after this if you haven't already. What a phenomenal interview, phenomenal guest, and it's just amazing how many people have really seemed to resonate with the information and just seriously enjoy it. So we appreciate anyone new that has come over from that, and we hope that the audience that was already here really enjoyed it as well. But today I wanted to talk about something that's a little more what you would think is common sense than anything, but as we know, common sense is not so common. And I'm not actually speaking in a condescending way. I'm actually just being funny. Because what happens is we grow up with certain things or we're surrounded by certain things in society. And it is very easy for us to not question these common things that we grew up with. And I know I'm certainly subject to that myself. Just the fact that I'm sitting in a chair right now and I've been sitting here for a good amount of time, that is something that, ah, well, I don't really think about it. It's kind of normal. People do it. But the truth of the matter is I probably shouldn't be sitting, right? Not for an extended period of time. Well, today the common sense that I'd like to attempt to apply is on seasonal eating and the human diet. There's always so much debate over what humans would have been eating, and I'm very careful which route I take with referencing diet stuff, but one of the best researchers that I know of was Dr. Weston A. Price. Now, he was a researcher in the earlier 1900s. He was someone who actually did not start out as a nutritional researcher at all. He started out as a dentist. And Dr. Weston A. Price was wondering why people's jaws were so messed up. Why were teeth not growing right? Why were people getting cavities? And it's a really good question. And it's... Kind of cool to see this coming from a dentist or someone in the medical profession because just like we were talking about with the common sense thing and how it is so easy to become subject to things that we see all of the time around us, well, if you just see cavities, if you just see jaws that are not formed right, you don't really think twice about it. But Dr. Weston A. Price went a little farther with that in his thought process. And he said, hmm, Does it really make sense that human beings should be running around with jaws that are completely screwed up? Would kids be having cavities? But you guys have to remember what happens to a lot of these cavities or uh, even like a root canal if it's not treated. This can be an extremely dangerous, if not life-threatening situation for the person. Oral infections are no joke. What was happening that was leading this to occur? So he started going out and he began to make a study of this. He went out and he studied a bunch of different indigenous tribes. I believe it was about 14. And 14 doesn't sound like a lot. I understand that. But first of all, these were true indigenous uh, cultures and they were from all over the world. 
You had the Inuits in Nunavut, Canada. You had people from the deserts of Africa. People that lived in the Pacific. People that lived in Europe. All over the world. And what he found was this. They ate meat. They ate eggs. They ate other animal products. They ate certain whole grains, but we have to remember that this was before our whole grains. Definitely different than the stuff that we're serving up on plates today. They ate some fruits and vegetables. And even though all of the cultures did have some form of cooking for the most part, they also ate portions of their foods raw. I'll say that again. Every culture ate a portion of their food raw. More specifically, they ate raw animal products. That's the particularly interesting part. These were people eating raw liver, raw intestine. I think at best, there was only one tribe closer to the equator, which is relevant, that was eating raw dairy products rather than raw organ meats. Now, what really became fascinating is the macronutrient ratio differences. Obviously, they weren't tracking that, but it just happened naturally when you got closer to the equator and farther away. Closer to the equator, these people were largely eating what you might consider a vegetarian diet. Not always, but typically. Very low percentage of meat. I think in the African tribes, it was only like 10 to 20%, which is not much compared to what the average person does nowadays. And yet they lived healthy, robust lives. They had centenarians, people that uh, lived over 100. Okay, well, it must be because they're eating vegetarian then, right? That was is what the mind would go to. But the astute thinker would say, hmm, well, what were the people in the northernmost provinces eating? And did they have just as long life expectancies? The answer to the second question is yes, and I answered that first because it will seem a little more surprising then when you hear the answer to the first question. No, they were not eating the same. In fact, the Inuits in Nunavut, Canada, almost year-round, ate 80 to 90% pure fat. Much of this was coming in the form of seal and whale blubber. Wow. Very little carbohydrates, except for those um, basically sea vegetables, mostly in the summertime. Protein from these meats as well. But a ton of fat, living in the cold, extreme weather, and yet these people also had those that were living to over 100 in their tribe. There are many factors that go into diet in today's world that we need to be respectful of. We do need to consider the fact that just for example, and I believe Courtney Hunt talked about this in her podcast, which is kind of cool. Plants are absorbing, absorbing, excuse me, heavy metals from the environment. Now, that's already kind of a problem, but the real problem is that we have more heavy metals in the environment than ever before. We have less nutrient-dense plants. And so these plants with crappy nutrient value are now absorbing more heavy metals than ever before. You eat it because that plant does not have a liver. It doesn't excrete this stuff. It doesn't filter this stuff. Now you get it. So there's certain factors that need to be considered. But overall, I think a great step in the right direction is still using some common sense. 
What are the geographical and seasonal implications of where you're living? Would it really make sense to be living in the northernmost area of Greenland or Canada and eating a banana in January? How on earth would that have occurred? It wouldn't have. And it turns out your body's pretty darn smart. It turns out it actually makes it more insulin sensitive. That's the good one. You don't want insulin resistance. You want insulin sensitivity. More insulin sensitive during the summertime. Now, why would that happen? It's almost like the skin, and this is actually what's happening, by the way, is picking up the signals from the strong UV light, which only occurs in those summer months. And what else would happen under strong UV light and strong sun in general? Crops would grow. Carbohydrates would grow. It's pretty fascinating then that our insulin sensitivity goes up by a notable amount when we're exposed to this UV light, which is happens to be light that would be present at the same time that crops would grow, that carbohydrates would grow in abundance. Pretty interesting, right? And it's so simple, but it's so easy to overlook this. My diet does shift depending on the time of the year. It is November at the time of recording this. I live in southeastern Pennsylvania. It's like the 40th latitude. It is getting cold. It's going to get really cold in winter. Nothing groundbreaking or record-breaking, but pretty up there, or down there, I should say. (laughs) I mean, we are talking 20 degrees Fahrenheit to maybe 30 degrees Fahrenheit for a good portion of the month of February. Maybe you get a little relief every now and then, but no, mostly it's pretty darn cold. So these crops aren't growing. The things that we'd be harvesting are not harvestable. We can't get them right now. And a good rule of thumb is, if it has to be imported to your grocery store on a truck, it might not be the best thing to be eating. So then the tough question becomes, okay, especially for me, and I always try to think like this, and it's like feels almost impossible because we can't put ourselves in these people's shoes. But I try to the, uh, at the best of my ability. I look in the backyard when it's snowing and it's January, like I said. And I think about this is a very uh, big Native American area. And I look around and I think, what on earth would I be eating right now if I lived out there? And there's an abundance of deer. There's some other little animals. There's hardly anything in terms of plant matter. So common sense would tell me my real options are animal products, and that's if I'm lucky enough to get those animal products. I'm probably going to be doing some fasting this winter. And the body's designed for all of that. Now, of course, this is assuming that you actually get outside and expose your body to these elements because it's waiting for signals. If you just live in a climate-controlled house all the time, where the temperature remains the same whether it's June or you know December, that's only going to do, do you so much good. If you get yourself out in the light of the winter, the sunlight of the winter, or the cold, or in contrast, the super hot, super strong sun of the summer. Yeah, there's going to be a different impact on your body based on where you're at and what you're experiencing. And you will be able to eat different foods accordingly. So, 
we have to remember what else these people were doing. They were eating organic foods by definition because they weren't getting this stuff from anywhere else. They didn't have the technology to produce these chemicals. So they're eating organic foods. They're eating raw animal products, like we said. They're eating organ meats, which are, as we now know, the most nutrient-dense parts of the animal by far. Muscle meats to organ meats is not even comparable. Seems like they knew a lot of good stuff, actually. And they had to eat seasonally. There was no other option. They couldn't import a banana to Canada. The most fascinating part is the fact that there were indeed people living to over 100. It's a remarkable feat to live to 100 plus in today's world with all the Western technology that we have. These people were doing it without any of that. Think about how many times you've been injured in your life. Think about infections that you had that you quote unquote needed all these medications for. And somehow these people would survive. How did they do it? But no, instead, what we're going to do is as these holiday seasons come, and I don't care what you celebrate, it still seems to affect all of us. Remember what I said? We get more insulin sensitive when we're exposed to the right light. So now you don't even have that benefit, and you're going to go celebrate Halloween and steal the kids' candy. You're probably going to eat a ton of food around Thanksgiving. If you celebrate any type of religion at some point during the end of the year, there's going to be something that comes up. And you're going to end up at the family parties. So we're eating the worst food we could possibly eat, pretty much in general. And then we're doing it at the worst possible time. And we wonder why we get things like a cold and flu season. So what I would like you to do is just take a shot with this. And I'm not suggesting going so extreme. You don't have to do that. Whatever. But honestly, take a second to think and look around wherever you are at in the world. What would I have access to? If I was living in the wild, what kind of food would I be getting? What's in alignment with this geography? And it really starts shifting your mind around what you should be eating. And the other thing I'll add to that too is I don't think, I don't think you always need to even start with the exact foods that are out there and available to you. It sometimes could be the principle or something conceptually similar. Like for me, if I looked in that backyard, I'd see a bunch of venison, right? That's what I would see running around basically. But do I have to eat venison per se? Or is eating something with a very similar macronutrient and nutritional value in general? Okay. I think it's impossible to argue that the first option is not the ideal. But at the same time, the second option seems to work really well. And I've tried that myself because in winter, especially after last year, when I really gave this a true shot in terms of like, I've always done ketosis type of things through fasting, but I've never went that crazy with it. And I really stayed keto for almost two months straight. That helped tremendously. So I'm not saying don't enjoy the family holidays. I'm not saying do any of that. But actually think, if especially if you're sick, is this really how I should be eating? Is this what I was meant to do? And then if not, override the societal crap, man. Don't be looking around and saying, well, you know what? Billy's doing it. Sally's doing it. They all get to do it. Why can't I do it? It doesn't matter what other people are doing. Be a leader. Look around and use some common sense. See, does that actually add up? Do I believe in what these people are doing? And if you don't, 
then be the first to stop it. And what's cool is I know this from experience, seeing it actually in myself to some degree, but in other people as well. You start benefiting the people around you as well. The people that you least expected to change their diet or lifestyle around are sometimes the ones that come to you three, four, five years later and all of a sudden they're ready to go and you're like, where on earth did you come from? <laughs> but they need to see you do it first. So even if it might not be the most fun thing to not be going out to the bars all holiday season, every Friday, Saturday night, you're going to be the one with good health. And eventually that gets kind of switched up. And now these people are coming to you. You don't have to go to the bar to hang out because people are interested in being around you. But you got a positive energy. You're healthy. You're vibrant. I'm not saying that happens overnight, but it is very interesting how that seems to occur. People are wired to be around happy and healthy people. I can personally assure you of that. Now I'm getting a little off track. I don't want to do that too much. The whole point of this is with the diet. But the diet is going to have a larger impact on all these other areas of your life. So I always challenge people with anything like this. Why don't you do yourself a favor and give it 15 or 30 days? 15 or 30 days, that's it. How many times have you wasted a month in your life <laughs> doing something silly? Probably wasted a whole lot more time than that. I know I have. So if you're going to waste it anyway, why not quote-unquote waste it on something that actually has a very high chance of being beneficial? Just something to think about. If you disagree with this, you know we're always welcoming comments. We just got a uh, comment recently about the best blue light blocking glasses. I will be answering that in either the episode 92 or 93. Or 94. (laughs) It's actually 93 or 94, I'm sorry. Where we're talking all about light with Anna Crescitelli. Or, even cooler, if you have any experiences eating seasonally successfully, or if you have an experience not eating seasonally but still having success, please leave us a comment for that as well. I'd love to shout these things out and discuss them on the podcast. And how you can leave a comment, by the way, if you're not sure, just search for us on a platform called Podbean. That's what we're... can't find my words. That's where we distribute from, (laughs) was what I was trying to say. And you can go on there to our profile and you can actually leave a comment, which is so cool. I really like that feature and I'm glad that we switched over there not too long ago. But that'll wrap it up for tonight's show. And just remember, when in doubt with the health stuff, take a second, because sometimes it's just as simple as thinking, hmm, I wonder what I would be doing right now, whether it's eating or something else, sleeping, whatever. I wonder what I would be doing if I actually had to live as a human being was supposed to live. And when you start thinking about that often, you begin to realize just why people are so sick in today's world. If we took any other animal as far away from their natural environment as we take us humans, yeah, they'd be pretty sick. That's what we're seeing for ourselves. And this is not a pessimistic message. This is not a Debbie Downer message. Quite the opposite. It always is the opposite of that. I never try to do that. But sometimes we need to have serious conversations to really understand we are doing a lot of stuff wrong. So it's time to do some stuff right. And if we all join in together and say, hey, we're going to do that, we're going to push for that, that's when this stuff can get easier for all of us. So I hope that makes sense. We love you guys. And if you'd be so kind, please leave us a five-star review on 
Apple Podcasts by searching for the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. On Thursday, November, what is that going to be? 11th, I will have one more solo episode for you. And then we have some unbelievable interviews scheduled for next week. The one guy, well, I actually won't even spoil any of it. I can't even give a little bit. I will just say that man has been through some stuff that no one should ever have to be through and, or go through, I'm sorry. And I virtually guarantee no one has been through that's listened to this podcast. So if you want something that can just bring you out of the depths, man, uh, he is your guy. But until then, thanks for listening and take care. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Health Detective Podcast. If you are ready to finally work with a real health detective on your health journey so that you can get well and stay well naturally, visit us at fdmthrive.com and click the Get Started Here button.